It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. This episode is one that we have been waiting for for literally a year because this is our one-year anniversary episode. Where's Usher? When we, I feel like we really should have made a greater effort to book Usher for our one-year anniversary episode. But you know what? It's okay. There are many things, Whitney, we get to look forward to in 2021, even though we know nothing magically changes on the first. Spoiler alert, life's not going to change just because it's January 1st, everyone, okay? But that said... I think in our manifestation list, Whitney, I know there are some guests you really want, but one we can definitely agree on is Usher Raymond. We will get Usher Raymond at some point. Do you even think that he would like be a really good fit for our show? I think if we were to like really dig into the psychology of artistry and listening to your heart and trusting your instincts and what it takes to have a sustainable career in the music industry, whereas you sent me a really funny TikTok yesterday about one hit wonders of the 2010s. And, you know, many of these artists I had never even heard of, you know, you sent me this clip and I was like, I think I've only heard of three of these people. I would want to talk to him about, you know, what is the mental side of not only sustaining a career for decades, but a particular industry that is so fickle and volatile and, and just churns out so many artists every year. And if we think about it, Whitney, like, there are really only a very small ratio of of musical artists that have decades long careers. It's really rare when you think about it. So I would I th- I think we would have a lot to talk about. Well, I think we can aim for that when we hit a really big number, assuming we continue doing this podcast for a while, and I think that's a good note to start on. Now that we're officially a year in, Technically, we've been recording episodes for over two years, if you can believe it, Jason. I narrowed down approximately the very first day we recorded a podcast episode, and that was around October 12th, 2018. Oh, my God. And now this day that we're recording this episode is December 5th, 2020. So it's been over two years of recording. And when this episode comes out... We'll have just passed the one year mark of of our episodes being live. And I think actually somewhere towards the beginning of this show, we talked about the process of making a podcast. I mean, we might have even dedicated an entire episode to podcasting. We did. And, and we also had some accompanying blog posts as well. And yes. Funny enough, at, before we started recording offline, you were like, are you going to write another blog post? I'm like, yeah, okay, I can do that. So a little behind the scenes is we divide the work up here with our brand Wellevator and our podcast. And we, we tend to play to each other's strengths in the sense that I've been you know, working as a writer, a copywriter, and and many iterations prior to becoming a chef and, and a, a wellness coach. So I tend to focus more on the writing side of things, whereas Whitney is way better at graphic design and the technical elements. If you have not been following us on Instagram or our social media, particularly Instagram, it's at Wellevator. And again, our brand is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Whitney has been designing some really stunning, beautiful, minimalist, and incredibly poignant 
uh, pieces of content on our Instagram. So definitely follow us there. But looping back, Whitney, to the blog, we actually did a dedicated blog post really breaking down uh, how we started the podcast, our technical equipment, how we kind of structured things. So for anyone who wants that, you can go to our website, wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com and go to the blog section and you can find that there. And we will also link to it in the show notes for this episode. If you want to see how we run our business. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel pretty invested in learning how to you know, just continue to grow our podcast. And I'm in this one really big Facebook group that I won't name it because I I have mixed feelings about it. But there are like, gosh, I don't even know at this point, tens of thousands of people in this group. And it is fascinating (laughs) reading through it. And I really would like to work on being less judgmental. One judgment that I've had continuously is judging people for not being, quote, up to par in the way that I view things. And I used to be really judgmental and I'm slowly unraveling that. I'm not perfect at it because it's kind of years of undoing. And I think it's a very common thing. So it's kind of socially acceptable to judge people based on their status, based on their experience, based on their knowledge, etc. And I think from a compassionate and also mental well-being standpoint, it doesn't really serve us to judge other people, but like I said, I still catch myself doing it. And I'll I'll kind of be like, gosh, why doesn't this person know this or, you know, why are this person's graphics or description or or how come they don't have great equipment and, you know, I think it's actually kind of fascinating to step back and examine that. And part of the reason I'm trying to be less judgmental is that I've been on the other side of judgment many, many times, not just as a podcaster. I would say barely as a podcaster, actually. Podcasting tends to be pretty tame in terms of critical feedback. Jason and I have received like a couple bad ratings on on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. But in general, we haven't really received that much bad feedback. And I don't know if that's just because we haven't been doing this for that long, because a year is very relative, not being that long. And um, we're still growing our audience. So, you know, at a certain point, we may receive more critical feedback. But my experience with criticism or judgment has mainly been around platforms like YouTube or Instagram. And... It's just kind of this interesting thing that people do where they they make themselves feel better by judging other people for where they're at. And it's, it's just really the comparison. And so over this year, I found myself comparing myself to other people or our, comparing our podcast to other people. And a lot of the times I feel like, oh, well, I'm doing a really good job. And then every once in a while, I'll see somebody who gets tons of downloads or has really great artwork and great reviews or they're up in the charts and I'll feel a little envious, you know. And anyways, in this podcast group is just really fascinating if I step back without judgment and just kind of observe it to see all the different stages that people are in with their podcast. You know, as Jason and I, I think have mentioned once or twice on across our 160 episodes. This is our 160th, Jason, and we're getting close to 200. Not that numbers really mean anything. 
Like, I remember we did our 100th episode and it's like, so what? Who cares? Right. And now we're, we're on our, our one year anniversary episode. I don't know, even know if people care about that. Um, and that's a whole nother topic, like celebrating milestones. <laughs> like it's so cliche on social media for people to be like, thanks for a 10,000 followers. And they like have this celebration for themselves. I think it's bizarre. Like, who cares? You know, like I'm going to go on a tangent for a second, and then I'll get back to my point. Who really cares about how many followers you have in this idea of like, you know, thank you. Like, do you know what I'm saying? So on social media, I'm sure the listener has seen at least one person do this. And you might have done this yourself. And I'm not really trying to judge you. I'm just saying, like, I think it's a little odd. And I probably did it many years ago, but I I haven't done it in a while because it just doesn't serve me. It's like when I see somebody posting and thanking their audience collectively, I'm thinking, wait a second, though. If we look at social media by person by person, like I, Whitney, am viewing, let's say, your Jason post as myself. I'm not viewing it as your collective audience. So when somebody like yourself, Jason, were to post, thank you for X amount of followers, like what does that do for me? I think the only thing it does for me is make me think, oh, I wish I had that many followers. You know what I mean? Like it's such a bizarre trend that we've had for many years on social media, like celebrating these milestones. I also want to take this episode kind of lightly and be like, yeah, it's cool that we hit the year mark, but so what? You know, like I don't think the listener is like, wow, they hit one year of podcasting. That makes me feel more dedicated as a listener. (laughs) You know, maybe somebody takes us more seriously. I think I'm impressed when I see people who have been doing their podcast for like five years or so. But aside from that, like, I don't think I really care that much, you know? Yeah, it's, it's all kind of arbitrary and relative at the same time, in the sense that I can understand a person's desire to, I suppose, take inventory or acknowledge their progress. I mean, I think that there's there's inherent value in a person acknowledging milestones to, you know, see how far they've come relatively. Announcing it publicly is the strange part, I agree with you, because we can individually have aims and metrics and desires to maybe hit certain, I don't know, you know, certain numbers, but I personally have never felt the desire to announce those. I don't think I've ever done it actually. If I'm if I'm thinking back on my time on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook, I've never had the desire. I've never had the desire, Whitney, to be announcing like, "Thanks for fifty thousand followers. Thanks for ten thousand. Thanks for this." It's just kind of like, it is what it is, and the numbers fluctuate. My numbers on every single platform, other than say our number of downloads, right? I haven't checked that in a while, but that's also relative, you know. On Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube, I watch the numbers go up. I watch the numbers go down. People follow, they unfollow. It's all a very fluid thing, and. I also think that, you know what, again, we kind of go back to this idea of of our metrics of success and what does that even mean? And I know we've mentioned him here on the podcast before. I really enjoy Mark Manson's writing. He's the author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck and Everything is Fucked, a book about hope. We'll link to those in the show notes. Overall, I like Mark. I, I get his newsletters. I read his blog posts. I think, you know, he has a very particular style to his writing and it resonates for the most part with me. But one thing that he talks about in in his first book is this idea of how success metrics can elevate us and lift us up and, and make us feel good and joyful, or they can torture us. And, you know, as an example, you and I could look at 
an arbitrary metric, Whitney, such as, you know, we talk about this all the time, you know, our bank account, our number of followers, our number of downloads. And we could say, oh, we have X number of downloads in our first year. And how does that compare to someone, a colleague of ours like Luke Story, who we've had on the podcast, you know? Whereas Luke, sometimes on his social media feeds, will say, like, the Lifestylist podcast, you know, over 4 million downloads. And, you know, I know Luke's been doing it. I think I first guessed it on his podcast back in 2016, you know? So he's been doing it at least four years, more than that. But it's like, so what? You know, does Luke, as an example, compare himself to. Lewis Howes? Does Lewis Howes compare himself to Joe Rogan? Does everyone compare themselves to Joe Rogan in terms of how many tens of millions he's making and how many tens of millions of downloads he gets per episode? I mean, we could torture ourselves trying to live up to an ideal that isn't necessarily even ours to live up to. And so I think one of the things that keeps me going with this podcast is that you and I have not set any hard metrics of what we consider to be successful. I'm grateful that we've had multiple sponsors this year in our first year. To me, that's a huge win that you and I have had amazing sponsors. We've had, you know, Sun Warrior, we've had Biooptimizers, we've had amazing partnerships with like Peak Tea and Swanwick Sleep, and we've had great, great brands and partners and friends who have supported the podcast. To me, that's a huge win. You know, I'm, I'm not saying, oh God, why didn't we make, you know, $5 million our first year podcasting? It's like, so fucking what? And I don't know, I, I guess there's a, this opens up an interesting conversation in concluding my little rant of, I would prefer that you and I moving forward set more, more aims than hard and fast goals of, we need to make X amount of money. We need to get X amount of downloads. I just feel more freedom to create with you and for myself individually, if I let go of these hard and fast rules or metrics of success, because I, I, it's a slippery slope, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily feel more motivated if I have a super clear, hard success metric and I get it or don't get it. The thing that I find interesting too, is like, if I really step back, even with this episode right now, hopefully somebody's finding value in it, right? Like that I think is the most important thing is we wouldn't, well, I guess I was going to say we, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for the listener. And that isn't necessarily true. This is one actually fascinating element of podcasting is the great majority of podcasts do not get that many listeners. And that's why most people give up. You know, I've, I've seen metrics, especially in the groups that I'm in, like that really big Facebook group, a lot of people get very, very small numbers. And that's when I'll get in that, you know, high horse comparison. I'm like, wow, like we have 10x what this person gets or whatever. And that'll make me feel good. But then to your point, Jason, I'll see somebody else who has like massive numbers compared to us and then the opposite will happen. But you know, the aim of this podcast is not just to hear ourselves speak. The aim of our podcast is not for Jason and I to be chatting with one another because we could do that any time. You know, I, I saw a TikTok the other day making fun of people who are like talking to their friends saying, we should start a podcast. Like we have so many interesting conversations and that would be so great as a podcast. And I was thinking about how basically that's how it started with me and Jason. And I wish I remember more about why we started the podcast and what motivated us. Like, I honestly don't really recall if you, the listener, want to hear our very first episode that we ever recorded, not the first episode we released, but the first episode we recorded. It was about supplements. 
<laughs> I'll link to it in the show notes at wellevator.com, which again is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. We'll put links to all of the brands and episodes and articles and anything else that we reference here today in there for you. That supplement episode was our very first one that we ever recorded. And I would like to go back and listen to it actually, just to see like, <laughs> I remember very vaguely what we were talking about, but I don't remember much beyond that. I don't know if we talked about why we were starting the podcast or anything, but my big point is that it's kind of cliche for friends to start a podcast together, but what's not cliche is continuing. And I want to give us a pat on the back and also acknowledge anybody else listening who has been pursuing something for a long time, because that to me is actually the most inspiring thing. So if anything, I'm proud that we've hit this year mark. I I still feel like in the grand scheme of things, a year is not much time at all. But in the podcast world, a lot of people give up very soon. You know, we were in a group of podcasters on a network which actually dissolved. So we initially, when we launched our show, were part of this group of people and and there was a whole podcast network developing. We never actually signed a contract. And as far as I'm aware, that that network has completely dissolved. Uh, But who knows? It might be continuing. We're not part of it. We were very grateful for it because it actually was an amazing launching point for us. And because of that network, we got involved with Podetize. And a little side note for how we run our podcast, Podetize is just such a phenomenal resource for us. I actually now consult for them. So in full transparency, I'm I'm very biased towards them as a company now, not only because they're the people that help us with our podcast every single week, but I also have been helping them with their social media strategy. So if you follow Podetize or any of their podcasts, they have a podcast called The Binge Factor, New Trust Economy, Product Launch Hazards. They're doing so much that it's run by these two incredible podcasters. And their company, Podetize, does like a lot of the post-production for our show. So they take each episode and edit it. So shout out to the amazing editing team that they have. We record each episode, we send it to them, somebody on their team edits it for us, and they write our show notes, they make transcripts. So when you go to wellevator.com and click on the podcast section, that whole website is run by them. And it's really an incredible asset. So coming back around to this network that we were part of, they connected us to Podetize. That's where all of this began. And in that network, there were a good amount of people, I don't know exactly how many, I would venture to guess like maybe 20 or 30 people were in that network ultimately. And I heard that most of those people either gave up or they weren't getting many downloads, listeners, and they were doing it for a lot less time than us. And so another part of this point, Jason, is like, just because you're doing something for a long time doesn't mean that you're going to have success from it. But your chances of success grow usually, not always, but they grow the longer you do something because you're putting more out there. And I think that's one of the reasons, Jason, that I'm really grateful that we've done three episodes a week. Initially, I think we were just going to launch with three episodes. We didn't, (laughs) we didn't really like look this far out to the future. And every once in a while, I'm like, should we continue doing three episodes a week? I feel like we're in the habit of it. But I'm not sure that we need to be doing three episodes a week. I certainly it sounds appealing to do less. But, you know, one of the things about doing this podcast with you, Jason, is that it's felt really fluid and easy. 
And I think that's the reason that we've been doing this for a whole year and two years, technically, since we first started recording the episodes. I think once we got into our rhythm and committed to this, Jason, it hasn't been that challenging. As we've mentioned a few times, there are certainly days where we don't feel like recording. (laughs) You know, like one of us will be in a bad mood, we'll be tired, we'll have a scheduling conflict, like just like anything else. But I would say, Jason, when I look back over a lot of the content I've created over the years, I would say the podcast might be the energetically easiest project I've ever worked on. How do you feel about this? Wow. That's a pretty bold statement. I mean, considering the sheer volume of content you've put out from videos to blogs to your websites to social media, I mean, that's, I had no idea you felt that way. That was, that's pretty awesome. I think that there's a natural fluidity. I think that's a wonderful term in the sense that you and I can latch on to a variety of topics we present because I think collectively we really are curious, experimental people who, who want to research a lot about life and to me, you asked the question of what was the original intention. You know, I remember the conversations that we had in early 2018 when we were really putting the idea of this together and Wellevator first before the podcast. And it was sort of zooming out from the entire wellness industry. And maybe, I don't know about wanting to do things differently. That's just kind of an overused phrase. For me, it was a recollection of let's blow out the conversation to a much broader thing in in terms of rather than, hey, just eat this food or take this supplement or do this mantra or do this meditation or get this blood work or, you know, spend money on this biohacking device. And and the podcasts that are like that are fine. They they're wonderful. There are many like that. To me, I think I personally wanted to use this as a jump off point to expand the conversation beyond just what to eat, what to supplement, how to move your body. We love all that. And the idea of researching and experimenting with well-being is something we're very passionate about. And you, dear listener, are, are likely passionate about it too. We get your DMs and your emails. And I think we hope you appreciate the tangential and broad nature of what we present here. But for me, Whitney, I, I think the reason that I feel like it is so fluid is because of the breadth and the variety of topics we do discuss. And I want to touch on something you mentioned before we keep going, because there's an interesting sort of I think, blend of fear of failure meets perfectionism, which we've talked a lot about here with different guests as well, and expectation. It's like fear of failure, perfectionism, and expectation have this strange effect on many, many people, myself included, that if we initiate something new, like a podcast, like a YouTube channel, like a new brand, or even just learning something new, woodworking, guitar, chefing, I also see a lot of people giving up really quickly. And I think that there's a a strange expectation that people ought to be good or even great at something that maybe they've never done before, or maybe they've never spent a lot of focus and attention on it. And they're like, ah, fuck it. I'm just not that good. And there are people in my life like this where my response to them, which is also a reminder for myself, is like, you've been doing this for, you know, what, a week, a month? two months? And what are you expecting? You know, are you, are you expecting to pick up a guitar and be Eddie Van Halen? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters had this amazing quote, and I probably have mentioned it here, or maybe in one of our trainings, like wellness warrior training, that a couple years back, he posted something on social media about that there are, are some really great artists that never really get to have their art heard because they give up. And he said, he said, give yourself permission to suck. 
give yourself permission to pick up the drums or the guitar or whatever you're doing and you know just suck at it for a while and and he didn't he wasn't saying it i don't think in a way to be abrasive or judgmental or telling people they suck but it's like what are you expecting you know, to, again, do something for the first time or the 10th time and be amazing at it. I think social media and society plays into this a bit, Whitney, in the sense that people put out their highlight reels. We talk about this. And then other people will perceive their highlight reels and go, oh my God, I'm never going to write a song as good as Bob Dylan or Springsteen or Jack White, or I'm never going to write a rap as dope as, as Kanye or Drake or Jay-Z. It's like, dude, they're putting out their stuff that has decades of work and practice and experimentation behind it. Why would you expect after a week or two or a month or a year of doing this thing to be as good as them? And and who put that expectation in your head? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like a lot of really talented, passionate people do give up on something because they think they should be like earth-shatteringly world-class amazing at something after a very short period of time. Oh, for sure. And I, this is another thing I noticed from podcasters in that Facebook group is they're constantly looking for metrics. One of the most common posts in that group is about like, hey, this is these are my numbers. Like, is this good? <laughs> As if like there's some standard for what's good. And there really isn't when it comes to podcasting. And I think that's actually one of the most challenging parts about podcasting. Not I don't really experience this myself, but I think a lot of people do because this is posted about so frequently is people want to like measure themselves up. Like, am I doing a good job? Am I getting enough listeners? Do I have enough reviews? Have I been doing enough episodes? How does it sound? How long should my episode be? It's like, I think actually one of the most freeing parts of podcasting is that you can just do whatever you want right now. And because the metrics aren't shared publicly, nobody really knows how quote good or bad you're doing unless you're broadcasting it. So, you know, you mentioned a number of different people, Jason, who shared like how many downloads they get. It's like, okay, cool. Like, what do they expect by sharing that? You know, it, it's again ties into this desire to publicly broadcast. Like, you want somebody to give you a pat on the back. I personally, I like getting pats on the back a ton. Jason knows this. Like, I like to be acknowledged. <laughs> I do. I like somebody to acknowledge me, tell me I did a good job. Words of affirmation are really, really important to me in life and personally and professionally. But getting them on social media never really, quote, hits the spot. And even the times that I've been like recognized or acknowledged, Jason, for my career, I don't really think it does much for me. You know, I think every once in a while we use that to put ourselves in some context. And the media does this for sure. It's like if you're in a movie, well, if you won an Academy Award or you were nominated one for one, like they use that to market the movie as if like your chances of watching it are higher because an actor received an award. Like, okay, maybe it's slightly more appealing. But I mean, I watch movies all the time, TV shows. I don't even know who these actors are. And I, I watch them and see if I like them. And then I'll continue watching it if it's good, you know. I suppose if you're going to go to the movie theater, you might kind of evaluate things a little bit differently. But my point being is when it comes to authors, same thing. Like they love to broadcast if they won the, you know, or if they were on the New York Times bestselling list. But I'm not going to buy a book or pick up a book because it was a bestseller. Like, okay, maybe like I'll be a suede if it was in like Oprah's book club, but. 
I don't know, like if I would so much rather a friend recommended it. And I think that ultimately is the metric that I care the most about is when somebody refers our show to somebody else, that's like the greatest thing, you know, like somebody genuinely writes a review because they care about our show and you can tell, you know, and and one thing I wanted to do today was to go through some of the amazing feedback we've received. Again, not to give ourselves a pat on the back, but just to acknowledge the people that have taken the time to write us a review on Apple Podcasts because it means the world to us. So if you, the listener, have been thinking about it, please do. You know, it doesn't have to be anything that in depth. This was interesting. Speaking of reviews is I want to go confirm this, Jason, but I, I thought for a while and now I'm really unsure. But but my old mindset was that if you got enough ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, that that would push you up in the charts. And then I heard something the other day that said that wasn't true. So I have to confirm that. But that kind of ties into this conversation of like wanting to get all the reviews and downloads and all this stuff. But like, does it even really matter? Ultimately, we want people to listen to our show, enjoy it, take something away from it. Maybe they like listening to our voice. Maybe they like listening to us as friends. Maybe they like listening to the guest. But it doesn't serve us to have all these numbers if it's not actually making a difference in people's lives. I mean, I feel the same way on social media. I've been going through um, the list of our followers on Instagram, for example, and I've been really paying a ton of attention to it, not because of numbers, but because I want to know who's following us on Instagram. And so I've actually been couple times a week at least, I go through our following list and I interact with other people on their accounts and I go and like their photos, I comment, you know, I'm trying to show people that we really care because we do. And through that process, Jason, I find people who are bots sometimes that are following us. I find people that don't actively post on Instagram. So who knows if they even visit Instagram anymore. And I started to realize or remember more accurately, is that there's so many people that follow you on whatever platform who have are not even active anymore. So what does that number even matter? You know, and then you look at things like the algorithm. I meant to share this with you the other day, Jason. It was I saw some like account with at least four or five times higher followers than us, which we don't have much of a following on Instagram, and that's fine because it doesn't matter to us. But I was looking at somebody else with much higher numbers, and they were getting the same, if not less, likes on their post. And I remember stepping back and being a little bit in the comparison trap of like, wow, like why does somebody with so many more followers have the same amount of engagement as us? Does that mean that their followers are bots? Does that mean that they bought their followers? Does that mean that their followers are no longer on Instagram. Like there's so many factors. And so the numbers are a little bit deceiving. They don't really mean that much. So long story short, it doesn't matter how many downloads we get. Like what we care about is does somebody find value in this? Is somebody going to write us a review because this actually changed their life? Or are they writing a review because they feel indebted or they want to get our attention? Or, you know, we we had it as part of a giveaway option or something like that, which we certainly do. But I want things to matter, I suppose, Jason. Like that's my aim with this podcast is not just does this bring me joy, does this bring you joy, Jason, but does this bring you the listener joy and value enough where you're going to keep listening and you're going to hit subscribe and you're going to share this with somebody because you want them to know about it too. 
I think the slippery slope in this idea of social proof in terms of people posting the number of downloads they have or one big thing that is almost like a copy and paste thing that I've been noticing is that entrepreneurs over the years, Whitney, have posted their income breakdown. We've seen people do this. I mean, we don't. there's a lot of people who've posted in their blogs or their social feeds how much money they make, what their revenue streams are. It's really a fine line, right? Because it's like, is it being done to instruct and educate and inspire other people to follow a particular framework to try and earn that amount? Or is it the slippery slope, right, of someone like, as an example, Andy Frisella, who has a podcast. He's a big entrepreneur who makes all the rounds. He has a supplement company called First Form. Andy's got really nice cars. You know, I'm a car guy. I dig his cars. But I've seen some stuff Andy posts about like framing it like I'm posting this stuff to inspire y'all. I'm like, mm, it's a fine line between claiming you want to inspire people and like, here's my ego. You know, I'm going to say this for myself. The little boy finally got all his toys. You know what I mean? Like for me, that the part of me that wants to maybe boast about material stuff is the little boy inside of me who's like, no, 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 I'm worthy of love. Look at all the cool stuff I have. Do you want to come play with me? So this whole like, I'm showing you my wealth and my success and my metrics to quote, inspire you. I don't think it's possible to, to detach the ego from it. And some people try and act like they are. It's like, you're not really detaching your ego from this because we're tribal creatures. We're mammalians who are still trying to uphold some sort of social hierarchy to make ourselves look good. Why? Because if we look good, we have a higher status in the pecking order. We attract mates or we keep our mates or we maintain our power. I mean, this isn't a difficult thing to analyze psychologically with people, right? We understand why people do this, but I just, I don't see the need to post about, I don't know, money and cars and motorcycles. And this is how I made my first six figures. And I know we've mentioned this, but I always keep seeing the same kind of tactics over and over again. You know what I mean, Whitney? It's like the same kind of captions, the same kind of posts, especially from from entrepreneurs. And I just don't feel the need for us to do that. You know, I as an example, right, you have talked about your Tesla, right? But you're not on it like, yeah, I'm the shit. I got my Tesla. Do you want to find out my 12-step program for manifesting blah, blah, blah with your dreams? Like, And I'm glad you're not doing that because if you were doing that, it would give me a lot of pause, you know, as your friend and as your business partner. And I just, I think that there are different ways to inspire people without appealing to their base level materialistic urges and their desire to move up the social hierarchy. Because at the end of the day, and I'm actually going to post about this on my personal Instagram, and maybe we'll post about it on Wellevator too, that I just found out yesterday that my motorcycle is getting totaled. It's a total loss, the insurance company. And I drove down to the salvage yard and I took some accessories off my motorcycle and I took the license plate off and, and I, you know, I got to like say a goodbye to my motorcycle. <laughs> and it was this weird moment of like... This thing that I was manifesting for 20 years that I finally got, and now it's gone. You know, I, it's not really mine anymore. And it never was because, in terms of a material sense of the word, our money, our downloads, our metrics, our cars, our houses, all this shit, you know, we're not taking any of it with us. You know, he, she, they who dies with the most toys still dies. So I'm reminding myself of the temporal nature of all this, of you and I know this podcast will change, our business will change, you and I will change. We don't know how long we're going to do it. We don't know what it's turning into. 
And I know this is a long tangent, but I just want to remind the listener that if you find yourself being attached to a certain idea of success and what that means or having something or being something or having the numbers, it's all going to change. None of it is going to stay fixed. And not to be morose, we're all going to die. So it's not wrong to want the houses or the cars or any of that stuff, but don't let it run your life because ultimately at some point it won't be quote yours anymore. You know, we're like so obsessed with material shit and at some someday, whether through loss or accident or death, we're going to have to give it up. So I, I guess I'm saying all this because I want to keep it in perspective for myself, Whitney, but also to make sure people keep this idea of money, success, fame, materialism in perspective too, because it's all going to end. For sure. And and I think sometimes that actually makes it harder to figure out how to proceed because I suppose we have been trained to like compare ourselves to other people, to measure up against each other. So I, I don't blame myself or others for doing that. I think it's really just what we think we ought to be doing. You know, like certainly when I got my car actually, Jason, to bring it to bring it back to that point that you made. I made a video on my Eco Vegan Gal YouTube channel. And looking back, I'm like, hmm, why did I make that video? Well, first of all, I had partnered with a brand that sent me products for my Tesla called Evanex. I'll give them a shout out because they're awesome. So if any of you listening have a Tesla, Evanex is a wonderful third-party or aftermarket um, accessory company. And they gave me like all of these really cool products for my car in exchange for talking about them, which is something that Jason and I experience a lot as a perk of our work as content creators. And so I made a video talking about my car, talking about Evanex. And I remember somewhere in that video, I talked about how like, you know, you could do this too type of wording. And I genuinely meant it, you know, but I think part of my motivation was that I kind of felt guilty. Like, I hope nobody thinks I'm, I'm trying to brag. I certainly don't think I was bragging, but... It was kind of like, let me celebrate this publicly, getting something that I've wanted for a long time and talk about what it's like to have a Tesla. And I actually have a, a bunch of other videos that I've been working on over the past few years since I got the car that I'll post eventually sharing like what it's like to have a Tesla over, over time. You know, again, like some people are curious, but there's always that possibility of somebody seeing that and thinking that I'm bragging, you know, and why did I find the feel the need to say you could do it too. I think it is like a little bit of guilt. And part of it is genuine. Although my perspective has changed a little bit, I think there has been a slight myth that anybody can do anything that they want. And that's not always true. I mean, certainly this year, we've been a lot more aware of racism and classism. Like there's a lot of things that can get in people's ways. It's not always as easy as we think it is, especially as white people, to achieve your dreams. You know, there are factors working against some people that Jason and I cannot relate to. And there are factors working against us that other people can't relate to. You know, we've talked a lot about how we have worked really hard and followed a lot of strategies as entrepreneurs that did not work out for us. And it's easy to fall into this place of shame and feel like a failure because somebody told us, oh, well, I did it. That means so can you. And I think that phrase is really overused and certainly a subject that we'll keep touching upon because it's a huge part of mental well-being. I think a lot of us feel sad, depressed, anxious, burnt out, all of those emotions because we are trying to measure up ourselves so much. And I also think this is one of the big reasons that podcasters quote pod fade, which is 
And actually, Jason, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe our 100th episode was about the things that we've learned as podcasters. We're going to link to the, whatever that episode is. I know the blog post you're referencing earlier, Jason, but I I know we did a podcast episode about like tips and things. <laughs> Anyways, we'll, we'll make sure that we put that in there for you because if, if you're a podcaster as a listener or you're thinking about creating a podcast, we want to share with you as much as we possibly can to help you. And one of the very common things is pod fading, which usually happens after around like 20 episodes or so, a lot of people give up and they call that pod fading, meaning like you say you're going to do it, you do it for a little while and you don't get the results that you want or doesn't make, bring you as much joy or it's harder than you thought. You're not necessarily going to experience what Jason and I experience, you know, and I want to give us a pat on the back, Jason, and acknowledge each of us for pivoting during COVID, you know, and anybody else, which is most of us actually for pivoting, you know, it, it did take complete revamping of the way that we are podcasting. And I also want to acknowledge us for for adjusting our schedules during my road trip, for example, because I took 10 days off to travel each way. And then we currently are batching a bunch of episodes because of the holidays. So, you know, podcasting has required us to pivot or adjust a lot of times and I think that's not something that everybody finds easy. Some people get overwhelmed by that. Some people find that mentally challenging or, you know, another huge issue that we also faced before we launched was like, well, what platform do we use? Where do we host our podcast? And we were very fortunate. It was, it was honestly a lot of luck and good timing that we were introduced to Podetize because without them... Maybe we would have given up, Jason. And this is this is a huge part of the conversation is that somebody's success depends on a lot of different variables. It can be luck. It can be timing. It can be resources. It can be the color of your skin, your age, your income, your gender. Like there's so many factors that go into success. And I actually was watching a TikTok video right before we started recording of this guy just sharing how he has been making the same videos very frequently, consistently. And one day, one of those videos went viral and led to him getting tons of followers. And he said, I didn't do anything differently. It just happened. And I think that is another factor is some people can't really figure out why they got so successful. And I think a lot of us are looking for that formula. We're looking for somebody to guarantee success. And like you see this again a lot in the podcasting field of like, how do I do this or that? Uh, you see this in social media. And for me, doing a lot of social media consulting and coaching, sometimes I feel helpless. I'm like, gosh, I know my client really wants this result, but I don't know how to give it to them because so much of social media is about luck and timing and money and whatever else factor, networking, partnerships. Like there's so much that goes into these quote measures of success. And that's why what you said, Jason, is so wonderful because we have to find that joy and be grateful that other people find joy in our podcast. Like that's an amazing thing. And you and I also, Jason, have been very fortunate. Like our numbers aren't like blowing us out of the water at this point, and that's okay. They don't need to. But relative to a lot of podcasters, you and I got out the gate with 
pretty solid numbers. And I don't take that for granted because a lot of people will release podcast episodes and have no one listening. Or maybe they'll have a couple people listening and that's their close friends and that's it. That's all they get. You're not guaranteed anything by posting your podcast or posting on TikTok or whatever. It's just that we're constantly exposed to people who are successful. So we begin to think that that's just within our reach. I mean, this is like the American dream, really. It's like, I love referencing that book, Do Nothing, which has really shaped my viewpoint. And fingers crossed that the amazing author, Celeste, I don't know if it's pronounced Headley or Headley, but she will be coming on our podcast at some point. We're just waiting to schedule all of that, which is like, I'm so excited. (laughs) So excited to have her as a guest. And her book, Do Nothing, she talks about this American dream. Like, we have believed and been culturally conditioned to believe that success is, is just within reach. But the truth is, the great majority of people never make as much money as we think we're going to or have the amount of successes we think we're going to, but we're constantly seeing through the media, all of these success stories, all these case studies. And so it, it shifts our perception of things where we think things are easier than they actually are. I also wanted to go back to Joe Rogan, Jason, something I didn't know about him that maybe you didn't know is, well, actually, let me ask you, Jason, how long do you think that Joe Rogan's been podcasting? Jeez, seven years. Is that your final answer? I mean, based on the number of episodes, I mean, he's into like way past a thousand episodes. I, th- I mean, so I, yeah, I don't know, seven years, so did he st- 2013, I'm going to take a stab at it. According to Wikipedia, he started his podcast actually around the same month and date as us. He started it on December 24th, but the year was 2009. Wow, that dude has been in the game for 11 years. That is, that's important to take note of. It's so critical to take note of. More than a decade. I didn't really listen to Joe Rogan until a few years ago. I think I was definitely swayed by that episode he had with Elon Musk, which I think was a huge turning point for him. And that was when, Jason, you and I were traveling together, what, like 2017, maybe? We were on the East Coast when we listened to that episode. Yeah. It's also interesting too, in terms of there's a certain amount of advice some people will say of like, stay in your lane and master what you're naturally good at type of thing. And Joe Rogan being a stand-up comedian and the host of Fear Factor, if you kind of take into context his podcast career now, one would have maybe expected advice given to him of like, why don't you just do like a comedy podcast? Or why don't you just like do a podcast on conquering your fears? But the tangential, random, broad nature of him talking about quantum physics and science and aliens and psychedelics and food and ethics and music. I mean, this dude has no, whether you like him or not, in terms of the topical matter, you kind of would step back and go, well, who the fuck is Joe Rogan to host a podcast like this? Conventionally, some people would think, "Eh, do it about comedy, do it about fear, do it about being in Hollywood. But for whatever reason, that dude, there is no topic off boundaries with him. So it's almost like On the one hand, Whitney, there's the advice of, oh, you know, you're a doctor or you're a wellness expert or you're a musician. You should do a podcast about this very niche thing in your field. But he's an interesting example just for the fact that whatever playbook may have been in place, he just tore it up and did whatever the hell he wanted. So again, whether you like him as a person 
I think as a creator, throwing away any proverbial or metaphorical rule book, I like that about Joe. He just he he'll just talk about whatever the hell he wants in any genre, in any industry. And I think it's really cool. And he also goes to show that it can take a really long time. And he was successful before he started that podcast, to your point, Jason. So he already had something working in his favor. He already had an audience. He is a, a white man. You know, like there's so many factors that worked in his favor to even compare yourself to him is not even worth it. You know, and there are just so many people that are, you know, I'm looking through like the highest earning podcasters. They include Dave Ramsey, who has been doing his work for a very long time. And I don't know how old his podcast is, but, you know, a lot of people know who Dave Ramsey is. There's Dak Shepard, who is a well-known actor and his show gets a lot of promotion. He probably has money to buy ads like there's so many factors. And then there's other podcasters on here that I've never heard of before. And it's just like interesting because there's no formula for any of this. And I think really what I keep coming back to is is the joy that I found in this. You know, like for me, having conversations can be very therapeutic for me. I'm interested in exploring things out loud. I like doing long form content, which is probably one of the reasons I like podcasting is I will talk about something in depth for a while and love to explore it and and get it out of my system. We found that it usually takes us about an hour to an hour and a half to really explore a subject matter and talk through it. And doing the podcast is very different than just talking to you, Jason, offline. Like Even though it certainly overlaps, I think our style as podcasters is is a little bit different than our our friendship like you and I wouldn't usually get on the phone and talk for an hour and 90 minutes straight so there's also the joy in just like talking to you and and hearing what's going on and checking in with you and and getting feedback from people that listen and then of course there's the guest side of things which i find so much joy in but i'm also glad that we don't have every every episode is based on a guest you know like that's a very common podcast format And I feel really good about our format right now, Jason. And it's interesting because it wasn't very contrived. You know what I mean? Like we were advised by Podetize to consider having a guest on our show, but that wasn't our initial plan. And having guests is definitely more work, but I still find that process enjoyable, you know, like reaching out to guests and and having them on. I mean, we've just had incredible conversations with people that we probably wouldn't have had if it weren't for the podcast. And I think a lot of podcasters do a podcast for that very reason is it gets you in touch with people. And the other day, I reached out to a really well-known author and her publicist just to see what would happen. (laughs) It's like, I got a response and we haven't booked that person on the show yet, but maybe we will. And it's like, when else would I have that opportunity? You know, like it's cool. We catch up with friends sometimes through our podcast, which brings me a lot of joy. And we get to introduce them to our audience in in a new way. You know, one that comes to mind is our friend Vani Hari, who has been incredibly successful with her website, The Food Babe, and her books and all that. And she came on the show and we just kind of caught up as friends. And I got to hear her talk in a different way. And my hope is that somebody listening to the podcast is hearing somebody like Vani talk in a way that they don't normally hear. You know, it reminds me of like the joy I have when I see somebody on Oprah, you know, like I was just watching 
her recent interview with Barack Obama on her Apple TV show. It's just called like Conversations with Oprah or something. I forget what it's called. But actually, she used the phrase uncomfortable (laughs) on her show, Jason. I think like the first couple episodes had like, they might have even been called like uncomfortable conversations. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. you know, (laughs) Like that she's aiming to have uncomfortable conversations with people too. And anyways, I could just sit there and, and listen to her talk to those people. And I love seeing Barack Obama like, just kind of open up in in a way that's more from his heart and less like on stage presenting as a you know a former president and he really opens up in some really honest ways and so i feel very very grateful to consume that type of content and that has been our aim from the beginning you know joe rogan's controversies aside he inspired us because he goes on tangents and he brings on guests and you know someone like elon musk who doesn't really do that many interviews like just the joy of listening to him talk for hours is super fascinating you know and i think the controversies work to people's advantages so as careful as i am to be like politically correct and to not offend people like maybe it's okay to offend people every once in a while because it might bring bring more attention to you but we're certainly not trying to purposefully create that controversy. Like you were talking about this with me through text last night, Jason, how that one influencer who recently, quote, leaked a sex tape. And you're like, well, I'm sure it's going to help his career. Yeah, because I, I, I think that there's <laughs> there are things that we know are going to, I don't know if appeal is the right word, that are going to activate people in a very specific psychological and emotional way. You know, and for someone to intentionally leak a sex tape, which there are a whole slew of celebrities that have been doing this for the past, you know, 10 to 15 years and has done great things for them because right now in our society, attention is the most valuable form of currency. And he or she or they who commands the most consistent and emotionally visceral attention gets rewarded for it. So you have people climbing over themselves like crabs in a barrel trying to get the most attention. And look, what are the things that get the most attention right now? Sex, duh, controversy, and things that we know will be emotionally inflammatory to people. So if you can combine those things and you know have emotionally inflammatory controversial content that also has elements of sex in it, you're going to do great in the attention economy. You're going to do fantastic if that's what you want, if that's what you value. And for a lot of young people and influencers and content creators, we've talked about this. I think, you know, we talked about, from what I recall, our episode with Paige Snyder, who's an amazing uh, clinical nutritionist, holistic health coach, about this idea of like, oh, you know, you'd get a lot more followers if you just took your clothes off. Or when you do take your clothes off, some people celebrate it and other people vilify you for it. And it reminds me, Whitney, of this really old example of the musician Alice Cooper. And in the 70s, there was a concert where someone at one of his shows threw a chicken on stage. And Alice Cooper, there's video footage of this, picks up the chicken and he puts it back in the audience, right? And the audience, it's horrible. They tear this poor bird to shreds, right? And the next morning... The headline on all the newspapers and, and the media was Alice Cooper, you know, dismembers or kills chicken on stage. 
And Frank Zappa calls up Alice Cooper and says, you know, dude, is this true? Did, did you like kill a chicken on stage? Why would you do that? And Alice Cooper says, of course not. Someone threw it on stage. I threw it back and they killed it. And Zappa said to him, okay, well, don't deny it because it's great coverage, right? And so what happens? Like controversy or like Alice Cooper's album sales go up. So even quote negative attention is still attention. Right. And and I think this is one of the most convoluted and dangerous parts of our society is that people get so, what is the word, obsessed with fame and money and attention that they're willing to do things, pretty much anything to get it, you know? And I'm not, again, judging or vilifying. I just, I think it's fascinating the lengths that people are willing to go to. And again, it's not complicated, you know, take your clothes off, make a sex tape, pose a certain way, use a certain filter. And it constantly mystifies me, Whitney, that you'll send me like certain people on Instagram or TikTok or friends will, and they're like, oh my God, did you see this person? And this random ass person will have like a million followers. And I'm like, who even is this? But if I scroll through their content, I'm like, ah, cool. They're leveraging sex and controversy. That's why they're so popular, sex and controversy. And I would hope that collectively as humans, we could get to a point where we start to devalue this stuff and not put so much emphasis on attention as currency. So that may, maybe people will start putting out, I don't know what I want to say about this, content that has more lasting value. Let me just say that that has sustainable lasting value. And who's to say, like we, we may never, that may never change. And I think that's the other thing is we as human beings like are hoping for world peace, but we may never achieve what we perceive as world peace, right? Like I think there's always this balance of things that we like versus what we don't like, the controversies, et cetera, the things that we find pleasing that somebody else finds horrific, you know, like it kind of reminds me the other day when I was on TikTok, which is, as I say many times, where I go for entertainment and information. I saw somebody posting about this website called, I think it's pronounced Omegle, which is the, I don't know if it's the same company. Or not, Jason, but what was the name of that website where you could go on and chat with strangers and then that one guy became really famous that we met through the Ford Fiesta movement? I'm blanking at everybody's names. Remember that? It was like you randomly connected with a stranger via video. What was that? Oh, it was a chat roulette. Thank you. Yes. And what was the name? Steve, what was his last name? Right? I don't remember, but he would dress in drag and do these hilarious dances and impressions and I actually, like I liked his stuff. I thought he was really just off the wall, oddball, funny. I can't remember his last name. Cardinal. I just found it. Steve Cardinal. What is he up to in the world? What is he doing? <laughs> remember like, oh, does he have a podcast too? As soon as I typed in his name, oh my gosh, he has, looks like he might have had one called the Cardinal's Nest. <laughs> uh-huh. Wait a second. I need to look this up. Oh my gosh. He'd be a, an interesting person. Oh, but no, that was in 2017. I, I don't know if he still does it. Oh my gosh. It's so interesting to look up people and what they're doing now. Because like, yeah, remember when he was like top of his game and, you know, it seemed like a lot of people knew who he was because he had that viral video. And we ended up getting to know him because he and I were both in a program called the Ford Fiesta Movement back in 2013. And it was kind of like, Jason, when when you and I, the guy behind Baincat, and we like freaked out over that. And then I don't know whatever happened. Dude, Baincat. We need to link to that in the show notes. If anybody <laughs> hasn't seen Baincat, if you click on any link in this episode, click on the Baincat link, please. So this is interesting. I just looked up Steve Cardinal's 
Twitter where he's pretty active. And as of like a couple weeks ago, he was sharing how his wrecking ball video was posted seven years ago. So that, yeah, seven years ago was when he was, and that was 2013 when I met him and he was like at the top of his game back then, but he's still doing pretty well. It looks like on Twitter, you know, we had uh, one of our, our guests was Jason Horton, who I met at the same time through the same program. He was a guest on our show. And that was a, a really interesting episode, too, where he talked about his experience as an influencer and as a new author. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm scrolling through Steve Cardinal's Twitter. And like somebody wrote, we fondly remember Steve Cardinal's amazing version of Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball on Chat Roulette. So that was like his thing. Anyways, tangent. So on TikTok, somebody was posting about the the newer version of Chat Roulette, which is called Omegle. And I'm going to see if they're connected or just like it's just a copy version because I don't really know. But did you even know that Omegle maybe is pronounced? I guess maybe they're two separate platforms because it. And now I just found an article on Bustle.com that's talking about that people are tired of being alone during quarantine. So that's why they're back on these platforms. And I don't have the time right now to go through this article properly, but we'll link to this in the show notes if you're curious. My point in bringing up Omegle, however you pronounce it, is that people are doing really horrific things on on that platform, Jason. Like It's hard for me to even think about, so I'm just going to talk about this very lightly. But this woman on TikTok was saying how not only can your data be compromised on there because people have learned how to hack the site to find your location, which is really disturbing. And certainly they could do that on a number of different platforms. And we just don't have as much privacy as we think we do in general. I mean, that's creepy. Like, you know, it's one thing to have somebody hack into your email, but is it another thing to know where you live and be able to come there and, you know, hack into your webcam and watch you sleep, which is a nightmare of mine. And I actually literally have ongoing nightmares, Jason, of accidentally posting something online or accidentally going live. And I had that dream last night. I woke up at five o'clock this morning because my brain wasn't sure if it was a dream or reality that I posted something I didn't mean to post on social media. But going back once more to, to Omegle, apparently people are on there committing suicide. They're on there committing bestiality. They're on there, you know, all sorts of pornography. There are a lot of predators on these platforms. Like there are very, very dark things happening on that platform and it is fully accessible to us. You know, you can go on there very easily. And this one TikToker was saying how, in her opinion, it's like the closest we have to easy access to the dark web because it's not monitored. It's just this platform where you can do anything. And there's a very high chance in both Omegle and Chat Roulette of seeing somebody exposing themselves, you know, and you imagine you're you're a teenager seeing that, but like I didn't realize that people are doing horrific things like ending their own lives or harming other animals or whatever else. And I don't even know why I brought this up. I suppose it, it might be that oh, the reason was because you you were hoping that things would get better, like people would stop doing things to get attention, but like I don't know if that's ever going to end. I think we we just find more avenues for it. I think, you know, the downside of TikTok is that it gives people this false fence, uh, false sense of shame. Gosh, <laughs> shame for sure. But I meant to say false sense of fame or that fleeting sense of fame. Did you watch that video I sent you, Jason, of how there's an app that's designed to replicate what it feels like to go viral? 
Did you watch that video? I did. I didn't find it disturbing. I found it, I don't know how I found it. It's just fascinating to me that there is an app designed to fake fame. It's so, I mean, talk about meta, right? I mean, we're living in this reality where fame is this bizarre fleeting temporal thing anyway. And now there's an app designed to give you the illusion of fame. I just, I don't really know how I feel about it. It's fascinating and bizarre, fascinating and bizarre to me. And what's really bizarre is in that video, the TikToker shows herself trying out the app and she says like, it does feel good, even though she knows it's fake. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the direction we go more and more in as a society where we know something isn't real, but we enjoy it anyways, because that's the way our brains work. And we are already living in that uh, false sense of reality and and some people thinking that everything is, what's the term that Elon Musk uses? Like, we're living in a simulation. Like, who, how do we know? Like, it's so easy to create a false sense of reality. Like, maybe a lot of the things that we're doing are not real. I mean, the same thing you could say about online dating. It's like somebody can go on Tinder, for example, or whatever app you choose to use and get this false sense of feeling desired. It's like, oh, well, all these strangers think that I'm attractive. All these strangers want my attention. And like now we're at a point where it's so common. I don't know if it always has been, but I think it's we're more aware of it. Like it's incredibly common for people to ghost each other, to, you know, never respond to one another to to kind of be interested and not interested maybe in the same day. It's like one common thing I see on TikTok, which I always skip through because I, I just like don't enjoy listening to story bad dating stories. Like that's a theme on on TikTok. It's so many people are talking about like crazy experiences they had during dating. And I'm like, uh, like I don't want to hear that. Like that makes me feel depressed. Like knowing that somebody is is making you feel horrible about yourself or you know you're left feeling depressed and lonely and unwanted and undesirable and confused and all those emotions i just find like why would we put ourselves in that position you know and tying back into the podcast jason i think moving forward i like experimenting with different things in this podcast but i also feel like there's something to be said with you and i just carrying on for as long as we feel like doing this. And I I hope that we do it for a while. But then again, that hope that I feel for the podcast is based in this present moment. And who knows how I'm going to feel next year. You know, I intend on continuing. I don't have a desire to stop. But to your point, Jason, we have no idea how long we'll do this show. We don't know what successes we'll have. Like, We've tried a lot of different things over the past year, and some things have panned out for us and some haven't. And that's okay. (laughs) Like, we've tried a lot over the past, you know, 10 plus years that you and I have each been running our content careers. I mean, when you were talking about Joe Rogan starting in 2009, like, you and I were both creating content before 2009. We just weren't doing a podcast yet. And we have been through a lot of different scenarios and we're nowhere near the success that Joe Rogan has, but that's okay. I don't need that. You know, I don't need to have this show be massively successful. I think my ego would enjoy that. I think my bank account would enjoy it, but that doesn't mean that I am attached to that in terms of doing the podcast. You know, I think this comes back to a thought that I've been really ruminating on Whitney, which if we come back to 
the idea of whatever success or metrics mean to us because we've interwoven that throughout this conversation. You know, I'm really focusing on this idea of minimalism. You and I have had some really great offline conversations about having sort of a year-end wrap-up and discussing where we want to go in terms of the direction of the podcast and our Wellevator brand and including our personal brands. There's a lot of dimensions and layers to this conversation. But one thing I feel really excited about and passionate about is simplifying and minimizing and streamlining and getting more clear and specific about not just the direction, but the look and the feel and the attitude of everything we're doing. And it reminds me of a quote, and I do not remember who said this quote or when I heard it, but it was, I make my life more abundant by making my needs and desires few. And I don't mean this in an an ascetic sense of let's all go live in caves like monks. I don't personally want to do that. But, you know, it's like, why are we obsessed with success? You know, is it because I need to have, you know, a certain house in a specific location uh, or drive a certain car or have a certain credit score? Or again, we talk about there's a million different examples of these metrics, but it's like, what if we reframe what success means to us? In the sense of maybe I don't need to buy a million dollar house on the Venice canals. That was a former dream of mine when I had my TV series. It was like, I'm going to make so much money from this TV series and I'm going to be this huge celebrity chef. And I'm going to, you remember, we would, you and I would walk through the Venice canals all the time dreaming about, oh, we're going to buy that house and buy this house. I could give a fuck right now. You know what I mean? I remember that time fondly and how big I was dreaming and you and I were dreaming in terms of business and life. But it's like, do I need to go buy, you know, $5 million house on the Venice canals to feel validated in my success? I don't. At one time I did though. And I think it's up to each one of us to really critically and honestly evaluate why we want certain things. Is it to prove our value and our worth and how how lovable we are to our parents, to society, to our, I don't want to get into the fragments of psychology of this, but it's important we ask ourselves this. You know what I mean? Like, Maybe I can move somewhere else where I don't, you know, I don't need to spend whatever the median house price in LA is now, like $700,000. Maybe I can buy a place and, you know, live in a tiny house or an RV or spend $200,000 on a house, whatever. I'm getting tangential here. The point is that, like, I think it's important for all of us to reevaluate what we feel is success and if it actually even fucking matters. Really, does it actually matter? And I think for each one of us, that's going to be a different evaluation process, you know? Like, why are we doing what we're doing? Really? And and you and I have talked about Simon Sinek and, you know, start with why. But I'm deep in that right now. And I know you are too with sort of the evolution of your brand of eco-vegan gal to Whitney Lauritsen and where Wellevator may or may not go. But I really think it's important for you and I to sit down at the end of this year and like have a really broad, not just intellectual conversation, but almost like an esoteric, like gut, heart, spiritual conversation about like, all right, well, why are we doing this? Where do we think it's going? How do we want to conduct ourselves? I think it's a really critical thing to do. But then again, is it how different is that from setting a resolution that, you know, to your point, Jason, just because you set a goal doesn't mean that you're still going to want that goal in the future. (laughs) And that's like the kind of interesting thing about these conversations. It's like, I think similar to resolutions currently, I don't know if I want to spend the time like making vision boards and writing out goals and all that stuff, because I've done that so many times and that hasn't necessarily shifted the way things went, you know, like, I think there is data around like having your eye on something and, you know, like 
people give these metaphors like you're driving somewhere. Like if you don't plug in your destination, how are you going to get there? It's like, sure, it is helpful, but maybe it's more about those micro goals. Like what if it's a monthly thing? And then even as we've said before, maybe the word goal isn't really that you know, relevant anymore. It's it's an aim, it's a direction, but not being as attached to it, I think is the big thing that I've learned. It because ultimately, Jason, it just doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like if we step back and think like, okay, well, well, let's say that we have a goal of getting more downloads. It's like, okay, sure, that appeals to sponsors. So maybe that does matter, right? But we don't have that much control. If there's anything I've learned over the past year, it's like We've tried a lot of different things with our podcast, but it's rare that things move the needle. We've had a couple amazing experiences, like for example, having Jason Green on the show a couple times. He's our top two episodes. Like who knew? Out of 160 episodes that we've done, Jason Green is both of his episodes on this show as a guest are our top two episodes. And when we brought him on the show, we had no idea that was going to happen. Jason Green was a friend of mine that I met through TikTok. And in his very first episode, he was he didn't even have the platform that he has now. And then a few months after he came on our show, he exploded on TikTok. It's called Relationships and Relationships, which is such a great title. He's got a podcast as well. And he talks about attachment styles. And that was his passion. And actually... Our podcast inspired him to do that, which was really cool. He was coming on just to talk about it personally, never realizing it was going to turn into his profession. So it went both directions. We helped him. He helped us. And my point being, none of us knew that was going to happen. None of us knew that that would be his career path. None of us knew he'd be our top two episodes and retain that position for many, many months, right? So my big point is like the times that you and I have put all this energy and time, Jason, into trying to like plan things out for the hopes of success because we thought that was the strategy that would work. It doesn't always work. You know, like we've done that so much over the years and honestly it ends up being exhausting. It's like when you and I were talking about the bundle sales, like we've done so many bundle sales and in a couple years, Jason, you and I toiled over it. Like we were working nonstop for like a month. And for what reason? To make like a grand, you know, like to make a few sales. Like it certainly wasn't worth it. But we thought it was going to be worth it is my point. You know, like so I guess it doesn't really feel cynical to me. It just feels like, well, I'm going to put my energy somewhere where it feels good. And for me, what feels good is just taking it day by day or month by month. I don't need to like plan out the trajectory of a podcast and we don't even know how long we're going to have this podcast. Yeah, it goes back to the thing we've we've said multiple times in multiple ways Whitney. As I kind of feel we're energetically maybe getting to the end of this episode that the idea of following a roadmap or following a formula or walking the path that someone else has laid even though people say you ought to find an avatar or a mentor or a hero to emulate and we hear all kinds of parroted phrases of, you know, good artists borrow great artists steal, which that's a whole nother that we could do a whole episode on that. My point is that I was thinking about this two nights ago, my first insomnia bout of insomnia in a long time. And I'm tossing and turning and and just my mind won't shut off. And one of the thoughts I had with apropos of this idea of roadmaps or formulas and, and this pedantic simplified thing that people make millions on of just follow my 12 steps to success. And all the entrepreneurs doing this, this shit out there is that 
I feel like I was stuck in an idea for most of the last 10 years, to be honest, of, all right, here's what I remember getting on Facebook for the first time. And then it was like, oh, dude, you're on Facebook. Cool. You got to get on Twitter now. Oh, you're on Twitter. There's this thing called YouTube you need to get on. I remember working with, I had a, a publicist at the beginning of my career who was like, you need to do this and do this. And here's the next step. Cool. And now you're going to start doing speaking appearances because you have a YouTube channel. So we're going to book you at this conference and this conference and this conference. Oh, and you need to do an ebook because then an ebook will get you opt ins and you'll build your mailing list and you can sell your mailing list. Oh, and by the way, now you need to do a DVD when people were doing DVDs. And then, whoa, lo and behold, you got to get a TV show. Oh, and now you got to do a book deal. Oh, but actually, now that you have an audience, you really need to do an online course. So go and find a person, launch an online course. Oh, and by the way, have you heard of this uh, this you know, thing called LinkedIn? You really need to get your profile. It's My point is all this, that there, this idea of this sequential system toward happiness, fulfillment, and success is an illusion that we need to destroy. Does it work for some people? Sure. I'm not saying that it doesn't work if someone cops a roadmap or a system that may have worked for some people. Clearly, it works. People wouldn't be in business if everyone failed using their roadmap or their system. It, it obviously works for some people. But the danger is in kind of what Taylor Proctor talked about when we had her on, here on the podcast. We'll link to that episode in the show notes as well, is is this roadmap of, I just need to check all the boxes and here's the next thing. And now it's a book and now it's a show and now it's a YouTube channel and now it's a publicist. And now it's like, I'm not saying this as a humble brag. I've experienced all that in my career. Having a manager, a publicist, an agent, you and I have gone to the parties and met certain people, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, at the end of it all, it's not that I don't feel proud of what you and I, or as an individual, I've accomplished. But it's like you go through all those steps and all those check marks on the roadmap, Whitney, and it's like, well, here I am. Like, here I am, and I'm not those successes. I'm not those check marks on the fucking box. I'm not, I guess my whole point is like, I really think it's important we break this idea of this is the next thing I got to do. It's like, do you want to do that? Does it bring you joy? Does it make you feel fulfilled? Does it spark something in you? Or are you doing it because that's the next thing you ought to be doing? And taking personal responsibility for this, there's a lot of things, Wit, that I, if I look back on, I really wasn't doing them because they made me feel excited or joyful. I was doing it because that was what I was told I ought to do as the next step. And I'm unraveling that so hardcore right now, you know, in my life of, and I'm being mindful with what you and I are doing too, of not falling into that, of, well, well, this is the next thing you should do. You hit that, you hit that echelon and this is the next thing you could do. It's like, do I want to? Or am I just doing it because someone told me I ought to? Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's, um, you know, an ongoing process, <laughs> ultimately, and just deciding what works for us, because it does work for some people to follow those steps. It does work for some people to, you know, read the books and implement things, take the courses, you know, listen to speakers. They get motivated by that. And I have too over time. Right now in my life, I personally don't want to do that much planning because it burns me out. Like I think it's more of a tuning into my energy levels. I'm very aware of what gives me energy and takes energy. And when it comes to taking energy, I have to really decide, is this actually worth it? And things like planning, I think sometimes it gives me a lot of energy. Sometimes it really benefits, but it's usually short-term plans. 
because the long-term plans can shift so much. If we've learned anything in 2020, it's like, we just don't know what's coming for us. Like even right now, like we thought, speaking of plans, like remember back in March and April, like our president was telling us that the pandemic was not going to last that long to go ahead and continue making plans for the future. Here we are in December. And I don't even know what Christmas is going to be like for this country. You know, we just passed Thanksgiving and most people around the country were encouraged not to spend Thanksgiving with other people. You know, who knew that that was going to be the case in March or April, let alone February, right? Like we look at the beginning of this year, like none of us knew all of these things were going to happen. And every single month has been that way. And maybe my feelings right now are a result of all that. Maybe I've just been reminding myself that I don't know what's coming down the pipeline, you know, and I would rather just kind of take it moment by moment and not get attached to plans and hope for outcomes. You know, you bringing up our dream of having a house on the Venice canals, like you and I have each had that dream. And now I'm like, never really think about it anymore. (laughs) Not that that doesn't sound nice. I certainly wouldn't mind having a house on the Venice canals, but maybe I'd rather go have a house in a different state or city, you know? And I couldn't have predicted that 10 years ago when I had that dream. So I think the big theme here with looking back over the past year is that I'm grateful for the joy, grateful the experiences. I really enjoy learning. I like that part of evolution. I like that part of personal development. Like I think you and I, Jason, have refined our voice. We have invested in new equipment. We have worked with teams. We have had incredible guests. Like right now, I'm optimizing the emails we send out to our guests. Like there's always little tweaks to do that are satisfying. We've had amazing feedback, and including some of the wonderful reviews that people have written for us. I said that I was going to read some of those, you know, like hearing people call our show great food for thought and how we go into depth, like being acknowledged for things like that is really wonderful. When people use words like authentic that go deep with purpose and meaning and somebody saying that you and I have a gift for getting to the heart of the most important topics in our lives. Like what a compliment, you know, (laughs) like being told that we're thoughtful and compassionate and that we flow effortlessly. Like a lot of people have said very wonderful things about us. And so from an ego level, it's nice to hear that reflected back to us. And I think, Jason, you and I do, it is an effortless thing. You know, when I was saying it feels easy to me, I'm like, that's effortless. I enjoy talking with you, Jason, because I care deeply about you as a friend. I respect you as, you know, person with a platform online and your experience that you bring here. And ultimately, I think that's, that's the best thing I could say looking back is I am grateful that this has felt effortless and I'm grateful that this podcast has brought me so much joy. And ultimately, that's what matters. It's not about the money. It's not about the followers. It's not about the clout, you know, all that stuff. Like, what does that even matter? Like, has your life been significantly altered, Jason, because you hit some bestseller list with your books? Like, we've talked about that. No. Was your life significantly altered because you had a TV show? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. You know, like maybe people are listening to this podcast because of your TV show or because of your book. And that's awesome, right? Like that's what really matters. But it's not about like how many downloads we get or how much we get paid. Ultimately, too, Jason, I think it's a gift that you and I don't make a ton of money on this podcast yet because that shows that we're doing it beyond the financial reasons. Like to go back to what you were just saying, 
all these people saying like, well, the next step is to do blanket, you know, blankety blank. And that's because you're going to make X amount of money. It's like, no, we've done this podcast for a year (laughs) and we really haven't made that much money from it. And that's okay. And we don't have extraordinary mind blowing milestones. Like one of my podcasting friends in her media kit talks about how many downloads she got in the first month of the podcast. I remember seeing that for the first time and thinking, whoa, like, what an achievement. Like Jason and I didn't get those numbers. And I, I kind of fell into that comparison trap. But like, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Only people. Yeah. yeah. It's just ultimately like, who cares? We care. And who cares if you, the listener, are still listening 90 minutes into this episode, then obviously you care. And that's awesome. But we don't even know. Like, there's actually not an easy way for us to know how many people even listen to this much of each podcast. And that's kind of cool, Jason, that we can't see all those metrics like you can see on YouTube, you know, because I think those metrics don't serve you. In fact, I cringe when I look at our email metrics. Like, I just, it hurts every time I see somebody unsubscribe from one of our email newsletters. I don't like looking at, at that stuff. It feels like rejection. So I'm so grateful with the podcast. Like, we don't know when people unsubscribe. We don't know when people stop listening. You know, like, we don't get comments on every single episode. Like, we get reviews and we see how many people download each episode and that's it. And it's kind of nice. Yeah, I think there's tremendous power in the mantra, the ancient mantra, fuck it, really. And not in a nihilistic way, not in denying, not to bypass the things that we're feeling. But to your point, Whitney, you know, we could just be like, don't you know how long I spent writing that newsletter? Don't you know how much effort we put into this podcast? Don't you know how long it took for me to do that YouTube video? And you don't let, you know, you don't just give me a thumbs down, you unsubscribe. Fuck it. You know, there there are the people who will resonate and there are the people who won't. And I don't know what the secret to, you know, happiness in life is, but I think I know that a pretty easy path to unhappiness is trying to please everyone and trying to make everyone a fan. And I just don't care anymore. There was a time I think that I did fall into that, you know, wit of like, everyone's got to like me and I need to be universally loved. And I remember kind of like trying to play that role in high school and like, but why? I was trying to keep myself safe. Like if everyone approves of me and everyone's yay, Jason, we love you, then I'll be safe. And it's like, you know, I realized that, look, I'm not everyone's flavor of ice cream. What we do online is not everyone's flavor of ice cream, but for some people, it is their flavor. They're like, I like this flavor. I will take two scoops. Thank you very much. Some people are like, nah, I actually hate that flavor. It's just like, fuck it. Just use the mantra, fuck it. It's very, very liberating. Very liberating. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, that's really, I don't know. The more I go through life, Whitney, I'm just trying to let more things kind of roll over my shoulder and not, for me as a very sensitive, emotional person, trying to not get so emotionally wound up about things. It's not, it's not easy sometimes, as you know, but I think, I think I'm getting better at it. I don't know. But with that, dear listener, we are approaching the end of this episode of This Might Get Uncomfortable. If you enjoy what you hear and you haven't left us a review yet on Apple Podcasts, we would absolutely love that. As Whitney had mentioned a few of the reviews, we always appreciate getting that direct feedback from you and your perspective and opinion and words on what we are producing here on the podcast. And for this episode's show notes, all of the books, all of the resources, the videos, the articles, everything that we mentioned to supplement your learning and your growth, you can go to our website, which is wellevator.com. Again, that's spelled W-E-L-L. EVATR.com. Just go to the podcast section and you will click on this episode to find the show notes. For episode 160 and all of the previous episodes, we have a 
I'm really proud of our catalog and I hope you have the time and the gumption and the desire to dig in because we've got some really great stuff on there. Also related, if you want to reach out to Whitney and I directly, email us at hello at wellevator.com. Or as I mentioned, we have a really great growing Instagram page at Wellevator. We're also on TikTok and YouTube and Facebook, but we're really the most active right now on Instagram and Whitney is designing some really eye-catching, beautiful, impactful stuff there. With that said, we always appreciate you getting uncomfortable with us. We hope this episode provided you with some food for thought, some great reflections, some new perspectives, or maybe just reinforcing some belief systems you share with us. Yay! So with that said, we'll see you soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. 